You're now listening to Sound Talent Media. Check out more shows at SoundTalentMedia.com. Hey, what's up, everyone? I'm Matt McGacky, the vocalist of Cryptopsy and the host of the Vox and Hops Metal Podcast, where I sit down with fellow metal musicians, talk all about their lives and music while sharing killer craft beers. If you've ever wanted to sneak backstage and share a beer with one of your favorite musicians, well, Vox and Hops is the podcast for you. This week on the podcast, I dropped an amazing episode with Sarp Kesky of Bipolar Architecture. There's this episode and over 450 other ones to help you enjoy life, metal, and craft beer. So what are you waiting for? It's time to become a Vox and Hops head. Cheers! The Daily Music Business Podcast. The content of this episode of the Daily Music Business Podcast comes from a video on the YouTube channel of Outer Loop Group. Go to outerloop.group backslash YouTube to subscribe. For Outer Loop Coaching's free seven steps to getting signed PDF, please visit outerloopcoaching.com today. Let's dive in. Mike, like when it comes to Ice Nine Kills, where they are now, as they say, Rome wasn't built in a day. That that was something that you and Spencer spent years building to. The the things that like Ben's talking about, just constantly having good quality merchandise and having a good quality experience. So, what types of compromises or choices uh, or things that perhaps were a little bit more expensive when it, you really wish they weren't? in the early years of the Ice Nine Kills story that are paying off now? Yeah, I mean, you know, Spencer's always been a big dreamer and wanted to do things, you know, some of the small stuff that we're talking about now, it wasn't an efficient use of our resources necessarily to get a custom website built, um, you know, to have blood splatter happen. So even though, you know, he has always had these kind of um, out of the box ideas, it, you know, new ones have opened or the opportunity to implement them has opened up as, you know, the bands continue to grow. Um, you know, what I like about it is he, you know, it's been a lot of fun, right. As, as the band continues to grow, we just have so much that we can sort of experiment with and play with and, um, you know, pull in influences from other places. But, you know, I think early on it was, it, it still was, how do we at within the resources we have find the best designer and you know part of ice nine kill success across the board has been a consistent reinvestment of profits back into the machinery no matter what it is but especially in the merchandise um component it's not you know not stepping over um a dollar you know now to 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 get a dime or whatever that one is stepping over a dime to get a dollar. One of those, you guys know what I'm talking about. Dimes and dollar. Oh, you can get a koozie for a dime. I think it goes, I think it goes for the first one. Yeah. <laughs> um, you know, and, and, and that can be challenging to do, you know, um, with developing artists, it it's, you know, it's hard when you want some sort of payoff and sometimes just need some sort of payoff it can be really challenging to take the money. I mean, you know, we've invested pretty heavily in um, social media marketing and e-commerce and, you know, the team that we've hired has a really good approach. You know, let's go in and take a certain percentage of the profits and just reinvest that. That way we're not having to consume all of it and, and pull all of it back in, but let's take, you know, um, they've got some, you know, thankfully they work with a lot of clients, so they've got their own best practices and know what really works to continue to, to, you know, move the, the, the level. 
Carl, uh, Spencer uh, was talking earlier about using video to make an event out of the merchandise. You mentioned uh, uh, one of your other uh, clients was doing that on King's Road uh, recently as well. Is there a level that an artist needs to get to before that type of event, making an event of a merch uh, sale makes sense? Or is this something that is sort of um, uh, the, the biggest do it for a reason and it's, that's what makes them the biggest? Is there something about those artists who aren't selling perhaps the huge uh, 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 quantities on your website that it's not so much because of them, it's because of their lack of sort of oomph behind their, their marketing. Can you talk about the difference between those who are selling a lot versus those who are not? I mean, I think it all, I feel like a lot of that stuff kind of fits into the components of like the story of where the band is and kind of what they're focusing on at that time. Um, you know, I think, I think a lot of bands would like to do more video, but I think, you know, the biggest concern, I mean, the, even pre-pandemic kind of economy that bands are living in really comes down to budget and time and honestly ideas too. Um, you know, cause I don't think every, not every band, even if the band has a clear idea of what they want to see uh, or what they want to put forward in terms of how they want to market the, the merchandise or, how, or, you know, market anything. Um, there's a level of comfort, you know, in the same way, not every band feels comfortable doing, VIP some bands kill it at VIP some bands are totally wired to that experience and that aspect of being a band where there's a lot of bands who who grew and got to a higher level before VIP was even really a component of a band's income I think video is a, a similar thing in a lot of ways because there's a lot of bands who just don't want to be in front of the camera or don't have video type ideas and I think one of the worst things you can do when putting those things out there is to do it and then not do a good job because there is a bit of a fine line on that where it's like, if you have a clear vision, you know, and I think music videos are a similar way, but I think specifically when it comes to like promoting merch, creating content for social media or just marketing in general, whether it's merchandise or whether it's a tour or whatever. Um, if you don't have a clear idea, less is more. And I think that works with merch. I think it works with merch lines. I think it works with marketing. It works in a lot of ways. Like if you're, there's nothing worse than like stretching for an idea that you're not either totally invested in or totally comfortable with, or have a fully flushed out idea. Um, because sometimes you might get lucky, but you know, no, there's no examples that come to my head right now, but, but, but missing the mark on those kind of things, it's wasted money. Mm -hmm. You know, um, it's a couple hundred bucks or even maybe it's more than that. You know, whether, whether you have a person who does video and photo permanently on staff or not, just, there's a lot of bands who just don't even really want to spend the money because there's, you know, the margin of return on that where it's like, all right, if I'm going to spend, I'm just going to pick a number out for easy rounding, but a thousand dollars on a video, we're going to use it, you know, one bit a week. There's some bands where that budget makes total sense because it's like, well, you figure the royalty rates, you figure what we're going to do in, in, in sales, and this is going to generate an additional amount of sales. There's not a lot of bands willing to uh, put their money into those kind of endeavors. Um, yeah. And so I think it's just, I think each, each component just has to be a level of, it's a, you know, merchandise is a part of an, you know, the entire story of where a band is. And, uh, you know, right now, usually e-commerce is sort of just, you know, Ian's worked at a merch company, you guys have, you know, being in bands and, and, and seeing the numbers. It's like live is, is the, the volume business of being any level of band, you know? 
uh, if you're in a band that sells $500 a merchant night, your web store is probably not doing 500 bucks a day, right? It's just that those numbers are pretty consistent in that like if you're doing $10,000 in merchant night, your web store is still not doing $10,000 that day. Um, and so, you know, having that overall component right now with e-commerce being one of the sole areas of, of quick monetization for bands, um, I would still keep in mind like there will be a world a year from now and just spend your money in a way that, you know, feels right. Um, that's really the best way to do it. So yeah, we've had some bands do video. We've had some bands do, you know, funny stuff. We've had bands do funny shirts. We have bands that don't like to do a lot of comedic stuff, uh, or even get like tongue in cheek at all, you know? So it's just each situation is different. Some bands just kind of lay in the background. Um, and you could never get them in front of a camera unless you're pulling their teeth out, you know, <laughs> there's no, each combat, each band is different. And so I think if you have a true vision, um, and you're at a level where there's actually a, a larger audience where you can do those kind of things and experiment and sometimes take a couple punches like, Oh, that didn't really work. We don't need to do that again. Um, you know, I think that, I think that sometimes you just have to be willing to know what your, your vision is and let those decisions kind of fall from that. Ian, can you talk about that a little bit? Like the idea of, I love this, this, this these ideas from, from uh, the, there's idea and then there's execution. And I guess my question is, which is a bigger challenge for your clients? And then uh, when you know that there are compromises that will need to happen with execution, how do you tailor the ideas so that way none of these uh, attempts don't end up uh, either half completed or, or just uh, uh, being unusable and dumb? Yeah, it's a really good question. And I see Mike chuckling over there because our whole lives are spent in that middle ground between idea and execution. <laughs> uh, so, you know, look, and, and you have a perfect grouping of people here to do it. Uh, all of these guys here are experts in execution. Um, Spencer is an expert in ideas and execution. Ben's execution, Carl's execution, Mike, everybody like, you know, we have a really good topic here to discuss because I think that the most important thing to do as a young artist is what we've been discussing here, really understanding the idea, really understanding the vision. If you don't do that, there's pieces that become gray, right? There's areas of the business that become gray and they become, you know, areas where you have to focus more effort on or bring additional people in to help supplement what you can't, you know, figure out on your own. Um, as a younger artist, you always want to, you know, understand your brand, your brand concept, what, you know, what your logo looks like, what your colors look like, what your social voice is, what your, you know, your musical voice is, et cetera, et cetera. And then you have to find people that supplement um, those different areas. Um, for instance, you know, I manage a band called Papa Roach, great band. They've been around a heck of a long time. They had a big issue um, probably about five or so years ago where from a merchandise perspective, they didn't understand who they were. They kind of knew what they liked when they saw it, but they didn't have a way to explain, you know, how, how to get there, right? So they, they knew that their fans bought a certain color t-shirt. It's black, no surprise. They knew that their uh, fans liked a particular type of music, had a particular type of lifestyle. You know, they have a great, huge, amazing history of, you know, millions of records sold and everything like that. You would think that a band of that stature really could understand what they visually could represent. They had a problem. 
we brought Carl in as a partner and Kings Road has been an excellent partner for us um, in kind of taking that, taking what the data says is great about a band like Papa Roach and taking the lifestyle of those fans and making consistent, concise, really well done, important designs uh, and profitable products. So that's just a, a small example of what every artist will deal with in any scale, right? If it's a small baby band who's just trying to figure out what their logo is up to maybe not Metallica, they know what they're doing, but you know, other <laughs> bands that, that sort of struggle with that similar identity crisis on a cycle basis, on a yearly basis, on a whatever it is. I'm sure Spencer can walk through those, those types of things too. Well, th thanks for that, Ian. And uh, uh, Spencer, I hope you don't mind. I'm going to transition just a little bit, but I want to stick with this idea of idea versus execution. Uh, at what point in your career did you feel like you could execute a really great VIP program? And in retrospect, did you do it too early, too late, or was it right on time? I think it's it all comes down to, to timing, and uh, as Mike said before, it's like you you can you got to make sometimes a thousand mistakes before something works, and uh, that that's always sort of been built into the DNA of the band. You know, let let's try this, let's try that, and uh, kind of crossing the line sometime to define it. I think uh, goes a long way, and. Uh, I think just overall, we started to see uh, more success with merchandise when uh, we stopped following the trends, pretty much everything, um, music, um, merchandise. And I, I think that, that that's, that's the key. And that's like, the, that's the hardest thing to do, in my opinion, is finding your identity and, uh, and, and, and taking that to the next level, because I think a lot of bands make the mistake of, um, of trying to copy. And I think that, you know, learning from other bands' success is a very different thing than copying what they're doing. And I think really pa paving, paving our own lane was what, when we really started to, to see that growth. And uh, it sort of coincided with when I think we found our unique sound and vision which was uh on the every trick in the book album cycle where we had a clear defined theme and and uh started to build that and and then i think really came into our own with the music and the merchandise on the on the last album because it had a, a broader appeal and uh yeah that's when i think it, it kind of took that turn and what about a vip program i think you know, we, we've done VIP for, for years. And Mike, I think we started doing that maybe, I don't know, I want to say 2013 or 14 when we, when it was sort of becoming uh, the norm. I think we were actually a little bit of ahead of the curve on that. I think we started doing it um, before everyone was doing it. And uh, it's cool to see the growth there. I remember, you know, doing, doing a show and, Austin, Texas, where there's like, you know, three VIP and, it, you know, just having them in our, in our dressing room and being like, oh, we got three today. It's better than one. <laughs> um, and, that, and now seeing it grow to a point where I think, you know, we have to cap them out because they're selling out. You know, some of them, I think we had like over a hundred on some of the last headliners. And uh, I think it, it's, a, it's a great, it's a great tool. And I think everyone should use it. Um, I don't really know if um 
there's too early of a time to use it because I don't think you you know until you get out in the field and start seeing what the results are. I don't know if it's like a bad look for a band to do a VIP and, and no one shows up, but you know it could be. Uh, but I think there 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 are clever ways to sort of uh, not hide that, but you know maybe say there's only three kids there. You know say that that was captured three. It's a great trick. <laughs> got a couple hundred think, people in the room, I, envious of three people. I think you're doing all right. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, and I think the point. I just want to chime in on the point that Spencer had said about like copying people, because I can testify 100 percent from experience of being in a band that, you know, at the time we were playing in, you know, what I guess, what Mike, I guess, metalcore world, I guess, is the simplest way to describe it. Sure. Uh, you know, we spent a lot of time with bands that you know, grew well beyond our level. And, uh, you know, when you're in that moment and you're in the van and you're in Denver and you're playing second of four and the band that's headlining the show, it's like, hey, like you guys were the same size as us not that long ago and you see this band on this trajectory, it's natural just to be like, okay, well, what are they doing, right? This is what they're wearing on stage. Like there wasn't too much production at that point. You know, bands weren't like, the, the the level of investment into production now is much greater at a smaller level. Um, so at the time, you know, it was all house lights and, you know, you have a backdrop. Well, is your backdrop big? Is your backdrop small? Um, like, you know, oh, they have, they have some lights on them. They have lights behind the drum set. Like, that's crazy, you know? And so you go through this whole thing of just like, it's very easy to get sucked into that and just go, well, what are they doing? You know, and not, not and like you're saying, learning from other bands success is completely different than like, well, they're doing this and got to them, got them to that level. You know, for us, we had nobody in the band that could sing. And there was a lot of bands that were singing and adding singing later in the game. And it's like, you know, you're chasing all these different things instead of just looking at your own road and your own focus. And I always say like, you know, one of the, one of the greatest compliments that I can give to, you know, Parkway Drive using them as an example is that they're a band who got overlooked, got, you know, looked over on tours, they might not have gotten the respect that they deserved, you know, at the time when they were kind of starting out. And now they're one of the biggest bands in heavy music. And there's never a point where they were, they were like, I guarantee you there are moments, maybe even internally, like I've never asked them, but like there's moments probably where they're like, should we be, you know, just in our, in our Hurley shorts and Hurley shirts? Like we're playing with all these bands that aren't in that and we're not, we're a very heavy band, but they just always did what felt right to them. And that's like, you know, and it's gotten to them, gotten them pretty damn far. And so I think there's a lot to be said about that because, you know, they surpassed and, and toured with the bands that I toured with at the same time. And now they're at this level. And so much of it is just from them always trusting their gut and trusting the people that were with them as they've grown and never second guessing the fact that's like, I want to wear flip-flops on stage. I'm going to wear fucking flip-flops on stage. <laughs> well, you know? I mean, like, I'm going to play these riffs. You came here for our music. I'm going to wear some flip-flops. Now, were they selling flip-flops at the merch table? One of my first, one of my first pre-orders with them in this position was, uh, was flip-flops. It, <laughs> I had to do. Is it okay? Subscribe today to the Daily Music Business Podcast on your favorite podcast platform. Hello, everybody. I'm Bruce. And I'm Nolan. And this is the Corner of Gray Street Podcast. As longtime Dave Matthews Band fans, we set out to create a podcast to dive deep into the past, present, and future of DMB. 
Not only do we recap and review shows within an ongoing tour, but we revisit past shows from throughout the band's history, conduct interviews with a wide variety of guests with ties to DMV, and create unique and exclusive content like our Concerts on the Corner series. Whether you're a fan of the band or just a fan of great music, we think you'll find something you'll enjoy. We can't wait to see you on The Corner of Gray Street.